On the weekend, ANC President Cyril Ramaphosa wrote a lengthy letter to his subordinates in the ANC about how badly corruption has dented the image of the governing party. And he made an appeal to his comrades that they desist from dishonest behaviour to restore the faith of the electorate in the ANC. Now, the president's heading is, let this be a turning point in our fight against corruption. But how persuasive is Cyril Ramaphosa in admonishing his colleagues? And will this likely lead to a change of heart on the corruption issue? Political analyst, you Eusebius McKaiser joins me via Skype for some analysis at this hour. Eusebius, welcome to the programme. Good to have you. Just how strongly worded is this letter, in your opinion? It is very strongly worded, Joanne, but it's more a revelation of the leadership impotence of President Sir Ramaphosa. It is an extraordinary letter. I read it yesterday. I debated it with other political analysts last night. And then in preparation for this conversation, I went back to it to make sure that the minutiae is minutiae that I properly understood. And my reflective opinion the morning after or the afternoon after, Joanne, is that actually this is a president who is revealing to the organization and to the country that he doesn't have a proper grip over the corruption that's playing out within the state and that he is speaking effectively almost in a detached manner like a political analyst describing the rot. So it's very strongly worded, but it's not so much a threat to the looters as much as it is a plea to the public to pretty please help him to be able to try and deal with his comrades. Well, he goes on to talk about the anti-corruption mandate given to the party at NASREC. He details the progress in dealing with state corruption, including strengthening the National Prosecuting Authority, SARS, the Public Investment Corporation and so forth. Is it fair to say that on his watch a nominal amount of progress has been made in fighting corruption? Absolutely not, because what's more important than redesigning institutions is to deliver people to the docks where they face, in fact, charges that are brought against them. And the reality is that while we were all extremely excited when Shamali Babatoy was brought back from Europe and also when, for example, SARS had itself reconfigured, uh, you know, the, the proof is in the pudding, Joanne. The, re- the, the reality is that yes, a lot of these cases are from a forensic point of view, a criminal investigation point of view, enormously complex. But I mean, you know, the clock is ticking. And since this president had been elected at Nazrek, he had promised that, in fact, these institutional design processes that are so important to rebuilding after the hollowing out of the, of the entire value system of justice uh, during the worst years under Jacob Zuma's watch, will result in outcomes that you and I can point towards. So I'm far less kind than, you know, the sentiment implicit in your question, because for me as a simple citizen, I want to be able to say A, B, C, and D have been arrested. Let's take a very clear example. Takes his spokesperson. Why has he not said to the top six, to the NEC, I'm not comfortable as president of the country, as your president of the ANC, to have a spokeswoman who in fact has got an enormous cloud over her head. But if you read this open letter, um, then it's very clear that he's hoping that someone else in the party is going to say it's embarrassing for the party to have uh, Kosela Diko still, you know, as the spokesperson uh, of the of the president. And I just do not see decisiveness in how the president is speaking to these issues. He's speaking as if he's part of the commentariat rather than someone who has enormous constitutional power.
You know, he reiterates the plan of action going forward to tackle corruption in the party, including using the Integrity Commission, suspensions and lifestyle audits, mm. among other mechanisms. How workable are those at this point, Eusebius? Those are not bad recommendations. You know, when I got to that part of the letter a couple of minutes ago, I thought to myself, if indeed those recommendations from NASREC were faithfully implemented to the letter and the spirit of those recommendations and those resolutions from the ANC at its 54th Congress, then we would be a country that indeed can begin to turn the tide on the many, many years of looting that has become habitual within the state and the private sector, I might add, uh, Joanne. But the truth of the matter, of course, is that the ANC has proven itself unwilling to do so. If you and I had this conversation last week, the obvious example would have been the former mayor of Etequini. I mean, the number of interviews that the Secretary General has been giving, refusing to accept that ethical standards are more fundamental in political culture than not being found guilty or not yet being found guilty in a court of law, shows you that there isn't a critical mass of members of the NEC and even the top six that believe the things that they resolve to do at Nazareth. So I can't I can't get excited about the resolutions that were adopted and uh, taken, you know, to caucus um, and plenary uh, sessions at Nazareth. As a citizen of this country, if the demonstrable actions of the leadership since 2018 has been that they do not give a damn about um, a political culture that allows the people who are accused of corruption to become the biggest heroes inside the ANC. I mean, in a sense, Joanne, the ANC is almost behaving as if when someone is accused of corruption, that that is um, right up there with, um, you know, being having a feather in your cap. You get promoted and you get praised um, for accusations rather than being told to make sure that you get exonerated before you can have another big position. Are ANC members, in particular corrupt ANC members, going to take this letter seriously at all, Eusebius? They're not going to take it seriously because consequence management is the most important incentive for people to stop behaving poorly. It's very simple. No one is born evil. No one is born virtuous. We have to be incentivized in terms of human psychology to behave decently and to think twice when we want to possibly behave poorly. And when you have a criminal justice system that is ineffective in terms of making sure that it goes after people that steal from you and from me, then criminologists tell us that you are unlikely to have a society that turns around the high levels of criminality that happens within it. And so I don't think that ANC members or non-ANC members, for that matter, will take this letter seriously because there's a massive, massive problem in this country that uh, the criminal justice system have not been able to make people who steal from the state coffers to think twice about whether they should do so. And unless and until all of those beautifully designed institutions are actively going after the looters with demonstrable results, then I'm afraid the people who continue to steal from us, including the PPE scandals that we see on a weekly basis, those stories are going to be a dime a dozen for the next couple of weeks and months. Thank you so much for your insight into that. Uh, Eusebius McKaiser, he is a political analyst.